Welcome everyone. This is another Marketing Experience Rep Clinic. Today's topic is what to test and how to increase your ROI today. This is Boris Grinka. Uh, I'm a Senior Manager for Research and Strategy. I'm also going to be joined today by another Senior Manager, Gabby Diaz, uh, as we go through this clinic. So let's get started right away. Uh, for, in this clinic, we're going to take a slightly different approach than we uh, typically do. First of all, as uh, most of you know, we've taken a number of audience questions uh, before we started through the, uh, in the registration form, so we're going to be addressing those later on. And also, this clinic is a little different because we're not as focused on optimization uh, science as we are in all other clinics before, or most of them. Uh, we're really going to focus on things you can do in terms of test management. What are the different things that you can accomplish in terms of increasing your ROI in setup of your tests? So here's a couple of, you can see a couple of questions we typically get. So uh, we're going to address those, uh, those questions throughout the, uh, the presentation today. The, these um, challenges are really common, and we wanted to share our experience that we've accumulated over the years in managing different tests and provide some of the best practices we've derived. So here, we're going to look at four common obstacles that you hear uh, and about and see from uh, our research. Uh, we're going to look at a number of case studies to help you consider these challenges and talk about the different techniques that we've developed in our uh, test management methodology. And again, as I mentioned before, we're going to take questions from the audience. So this is obstacle number one we hear about all the time, and especially now uh, with the holiday season coming up, this is especially important. There's a short amount of time that you have now to run any tests. We covered a lot of uh, good examples of what to do in the, uh, during the holiday season in our last clinic, but we're going to talk again this time really about implementation questions. So uh, these are not necessarily holiday season related. It also has to do possibly with uh, urgent campaigns you might have that you want to roll out tests for very quickly. So let's talk about how do we overcome that time crunch obstacle. Uh, number one thing we want you to consider is that you want to focus efforts on areas uh, of your site where you're going to have the most impact. And this really goes back to our marketing experience methodology, right? So how do you know? Do you test the headline? Do you test the navigation first? Uh, do you look at, let's say, is price of the product a good thing to test or is it product images? I'm going to back, go, go quickly over the marketing experience conversion sequence. And again, we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on it. A lot of you who have been following our uh, web clinics and our blog uh, are familiar with this heuristic. It's just a way to organize your thinking about different elements on the site. Uh, and it's uh, proposed here because the different coefficients in the heuristic tell you the different uh, level of importance of each of those elements. So for example, uh, let me just actually go back. We're talking about headline versus testimonials. Uh, headline is a great opportunity for you to start a conversation with your customer and express your value proposition. So we see here it has a coefficient of three. Uh, on the other hand, uh, a testimonial is a great way to reduce anxiety. However, here in the commercial sequence heuristic, we've determined that it has a lower coefficient. It has only a coefficient of two. So if you only can have one test, and you can test both of, the, of these elements separately, we would recommend that you would go with a headline test. Similarly, um, and again, I don't want to go into a whole separate area, and we in fact teach a course on uh, optimization that involves this heuristic, but we talk about how friction is an element 
that on the one hand has a relatively low coefficient in the formula of two, but sometimes it's just easy to optimize for and you get a higher ROI on that type of optimization. So for instance, uh, a, you can run a very simple test where all you do is reduce the number of form fields over another uh, way to overcome this time crunch obstacle, and that's using uh, radical redesigns. A lot of the time, many of our tests are single factorial tests where we'll focus on just one element and try to optimize it. Uh, but especially in a time crunch or when you perhaps ran a number of tests already and you've uh, come to a page that's fairly optimized, you cannot get substantial incremental gains, we will go to radical redesigns. And I'm going to ask Gabby to discuss a case study that pertains to radical redesigns. Thank you, Boris. And uh, to everybody that is listening, please feel free to post your questions on the chat. Uh, as Boris mentioned, we not only took questions uh, previously, but we also monitoring the Q&A and try to answer some of them throughout the, the webinar and, of course, uh, either at the end or to our blog um, after the, the webinar. Right now, this case study pertains to the uh, idea that Boris just presented, the radical uh, redefine. This is a partner uh, that uh, provides educational uh, information and resources to fitness professionals, and one, of course, is their membership. So the goal with them uh, was to increase the membership. And in, uh, specifically, this test, we are um, going to test or take a look at landing pages, and the goal was to increase click-through rate. I want to also caution you that we, of course, took uh, or monitored conversion rates because we always want to see uh, everything working until the end of the funnel. But in this particular case, we wanted to inc increase click-through rate, and the approach that we took was uh, an A-B split test. So let's take a look at the control. Uh, this is the landing page, the original landing page that we started to work with. And you may notice, I mean, and start thinking about what things can we change uh, to this page. There are many either small or big things that we can change. So starting with the headline, uh, we can change the copy for each of the membership types. And I should have mentioned that these are uh, the membership options that uh, visitors have available, so about seven options. So we could also have changed different calls to action, not only the copy but location, and removing ex links that takes them away from this page, like the navigation, uh, both the vertical and the horizontal navigation. So there are really a lot of things that we can test with this page, but one of these challenges, as we are mentioned today, was time. Time and also this page didn't get that much traffic. So we needed to get a relatively big gain in a short time. So the approach that we took was the radical redesign. The first redesign, uh, and as you notice, that's why we call it radical, it's very different from the control. Um, not only we introduced a new way to present the membership options, but uh, we also introduced uh, changes to the headline, the copy, and emphasize copy with bullet points. Usually, I mean, bullet points are really an easy way to present content and uh, especially quantify the value 
for these memberships. Um, the important thing that you also need to understand is that these radical redesigns, as we call them, it's, it's usually called a variable cluster. We're combining all the different changes that we can do, or basically all our best practices into one treatment. And of course, um, the goal to make a, a significant gain in the positive way. But usually, I mean, radical redesigns, because the impact are so large, they can either, I mean, go either way in the positive or in the negative way. But again, we're putting all our best practices together in one page to overcome the situation of short time and small traffic. The second redesign, um, again, very different. We want to test different strategies and try to see what works better in a short amount of time. We kept the same headline, the same copy, but as you notice, these, the presentation of the memberships are uh, significantly different. This time we used what we called uh, configurator. Basically, from the drop-down, uh, the visitor can choose the profession that um, pertains to them, and then, therefore, they were displayed uh, with the description of the memberships that match that profession or the recommended uh, membership. The results that we saw from this test, as you see, very significant results. 81% increase in click-through rate. And the best thing was that we uh, got this increase in 11 days. The important thing is that, and, and specifically, as, as I mentioned, pertains to this case, is we still took a look at the conversion rate, but we needed uh, really a significant gain initially at the landing page. So the strategy of using radical redesign allows us to use the traffic that we had available that wasn't much and make sure that we can provide this increase. Trying to combine all the best uh, practices into each of the treatments and of course trying to test, for example, in this case, because of the traffic wasn't too much, uh, we only did two redefines. Uh, but as you notice, they were different from each other. What you can do afterwards, and that's what we did later, is try to optimize that treatment, the winner treatment, and do small changes at a time so we understand what works or can increase even more uh, the click-through rate. And so um, to emphasize, what's really important to understand is that we are providing this strategy as a solution to having a short amount of time. So this is not a kind of cure-all way to run tests, but if you have to run one, uh, we would recommend a radical redesign. Right, Gabby? That's correct, that's correct. So there are a couple of caveats to, to really consider for, for this testing, but two that really we wanted to, to share with you. One is, um, really understand, I mean, the radical redesign, of course, doesn't give you that much information in a granular level of what is working. Um, it could be that the headline is the element that is impacting the most, or it could be the copy, or it could be the matrix that we just saw. But in, in reality, it is all the, I mean, all of them combined together, it's that it's increasing that click-through rate. So the only thing I mean you are missing from this type of approach is understanding exactly how each of the elements work. I mean, you could, for example, complement your test 
with your analytics package and have your treatments being tracked so you can see the quake activity for each of them if you want to learn a little more while the test is running. Or as we mentioned, after the test is completed and you got a significant gain, hopefully, then you can work on optimizing your winner treatment with minimal changes. Like either you can do an AD split test for headline, copy, calls to action, or you can do a multivariate test if you have the, the volume of traffic. The second caveat is um, consider also your return visitors. Usually when you're returning visitors, not only of course are the loyal visitors, but they are used to your website. So drastic changes uh, can frustrate them because they're used to find the elements in a certain way. So we recommend that when you test this type of, or use this type of uh, approach, you exclude your uh, returning visitors. You can test later with them, but usually, I mean, you will get, especially with these radical redesigns, the most gains from new visitors. And then introduce uh, this, the winner design to, the, to your returning customers. So your returning customers are not seeing, um, or a portion of them are not seeing some of the treatments, but they can just see the winner treatment. Um, and again, you can just optimize later just for them. And Gabby mentioned uh, multivariate testing. We had a number of questions from our, come in from our audience about that as, as a type of uh, test implementation, how that affects your ROI. So we're actually going to come back to that later on in, in today's clinic. But let me move ahead towards the, uh, to the next question, which was uh, mixed channels. Uh, we get a lot of questions about that as well. Now, when we teach a course, some of you might have been uh, in the live course or taken our course online, we talk about how there is really no such thing as a conversion rate in aggregate. It's important to understand that you have different channels of traffic arriving to your site, and each one of them behaves differently. However, that presents a challenge when you do testing, because uh, as we recommend testing separately for each individual ch channel, that can also stretch your resources. So how do we approach uh, that problem? Well, here's one example. This is just um, one uh, case study. Uh, we don't even need to talk about a particular uh, company here. But the question was, when you look at the, this historical data, how do you determine which channel to test, uh, which channel to run the test on uh, if you have only limited resources? So there's uh, five different channels here on the screen. And we need to choose a limited number. So what we'll go for typically, again, if we are constrained, is we look at channels that are already performing fairly well. And we're looking for those that we expect to have the largest impact, which is going to be typically a function of, of uh, opportunity for, to increase conversion rate. For example, if the channel is already at a very high conversion rate, and we'll talk about that in a, in, in a second uh, or later on in the, in the presentation, one example, but also the, it's the revenue. Do we see that there is a potential in revenue to increase it? So here we identify two likely candidates, which is the Christmas email send and the returning visitor, uh, returning visitor segment, because we see that they already have a fairly high conversion rate, and they also bring in significant revenue. So between those two factors, we can tell that th these are good opportunities for optimization. We can still increase some conversion rate, and we know that it's going to have a bottom line result. Take a look at a different example. Uh, so uh, sometimes you can overcome this obstacle of having limited resources, uh, in particular in terms of your analytics. 
by developing uh, physically, physically different uh, paths to test your traffic. So for, this is an example of one of the research partners that we worked with where what we did is uh, took the original page that had traffic sources coming in from different parts of the site and instead of running all the treatments on that one page, we actually created two different versions of it, sent uh, separate traffic to each version, and then tracked them individually. What this allows you to do, and in that particular implementation, the challenge was to be able to set up analytics to track all these different channels of traffic. By physically separating the pages, giving them different URLs, and then running two basically separate tests, we were able to test two different channels. So you can see here, channel X, Treatment B was the winner, and channel Y, treatment C was the winner. This way we were able to um, identify two different winners for di different pages. And actually, uh, Gabby, I was going to ask you to take a look at one of the case studies. Thank you, Boris, definitely. Um, this case study pertains to one of our research partners. They sell retail and wholesale collector items. Uh, specifically with this test, uh, we were looking to increase visitor registration, and therefore that's what drives our primary research question, I mean, how to increase the registration rate. Again, the approach was an A-B split test. Let me move on to, to show you the test design, or actually the background. In this case, I mean, the registration page was promoted in the website from different areas, not only the home page, and of course, one of the steps after the shopping cart, so during the, the purchasing process, but from different product pages and many different internal pages. So our um, concern with optimizing this page was, well, we are not just optimizing for one specific channel, each of these channels may have a different motivation. And we need to understand that before, of course, we roll out uh, a winner treatment. And even testing, it will be good to know what uh, treatment that we uh, put out there to test performs with each of these channels. So in order to overcome uh, this hurdle or challenge, what we did is segmented the channels. Uh, we took uh, basically, we had the control, and we created two different uh, or two new uh, designs or treatments, as, as, as we call them. And we duplicate them uh, exactly the same for, the, for another channel. So the main channel was the shopping cart. Of course, the goal is to keep uh, or to improve the conversion rate, so we wanted to know if the registration was something else that we can improve in the shopping process, but then segmented or put together all the other pages as other pages, as another channel, and take a look at the difference between the visitors that come to this page from the shopping cart and the ones that come from the other pages. The results, as you, as you see, I mean, very interesting, very significant. The registration uh, rate from the shopping cart as we uh, also foresee, it's very high. So what it tell, it's telling us that visitors are very are highly motivated to pass this page. I mean, they already started a purchase process, so they can still get to the hurdle of uh, registering to complete the transaction. So the registration rate ranges uh, around the 80%. 
whereas the registration rate for the other channels that you see almost half of it uh, between the 48 and the 55% range. The significant gain that we got there, 14%, uh, was very important because we not only saw the registration rate as an average, but we understand that the other channels, because they are less motivated, we have to do a much better job to um, incentivize them to complete their registration. And of course, by doing this and looking at the different channels, we also make sure that we are not hurting the conversion or the registration from the shopping cart. And just as a side note, it's important that when you run these tests for different channels, you may also want to look at different KPIs for your up to, for uh, as your um, in your in your research question. So in this case, we just wanted to uh, take the angle of conversion rate being the key performance indicator in this test. However, you may find you may find that for certain channels, uh, revenue per visitor or a different metric would be the most important one, and you might actually look at those. Let's move on to the next obstacle, and that's uh, more of a political alignment. What if we, well, not necessarily political, but really just organizational alignment. It's difficult sometimes to agree on a test plan, whether in terms of prioritization uh, or there may be some different, uh, different objectives. For example, you may have an important branding strategy that's already in place, and your particular test might be running, uh, of a, let's say a particular offer might be running uh, against that branding strategy. So how, how do you accommodate both? So again, this is a question that comes up in really our research work all the time. In some sense, outside of optimization science per se, but it's a question that we have to solve in order to be able to move forward with testing. So number one, this is something we do kind of as an exercise uh, with every uh, research partner that we uh, have a relationship with, and that is determine Q1 and Q2. They might sound very simple and so elementary, but at the same time, it's really critical to answer these questions. And we find a lot of the time that uh, these questions are not readily available, the answers to these questions are not readily available. So these questions are simply, what is the primary objective of a page or more glo globally of a site? And two is what is the most effective way to accomplish it? Now, of course, Q2 is the actual optimization question, but Q1 is really, really critical, and it's important that it doesn't get glossed over. So we're, what we're going to, uh, what we recommend in overcoming the obstacle is, aside from really explicitly answering that question, that Q1, is looking at difference in, um, address the difference in sequencing your tests. So what do you test first, what do you test second? Uh, identifying key page objectives. Uh, and uh, also identifying different elements in page design, and we'll look at them separately here. So test sequencing. You have to decide, do you test the home page or the shopping cart? What is the most important traffic uh, channel of traffic? We just talked about that a little bit. Uh, which, uh, how long should we focus on this page? When do we move on to the next one? You can do this by, as we just described it a little bit, by looking at your historic analytical da data, right? So you can look at different channels and identify, uh, just do, again, guess at, in this case, if there's an opportunity for improvement. We just looked at, case, at a case study with Gabby that had one channel that had already a conversion rate of about 80%. It's going to be fairly difficult to optimize any further for that channel. It's not impossible, but again, if you are going to prioritize your test, you probably want to go for a channel that has a little bit more opportunity. 
And again, conversion rate, of course, is not your only indicator. For example, if that channel has a fairly high conversion rate, but you know that it accounts for 90% of your revenue, that tells you that even a small gain in conversion, like half a percent, could actually have a significant uh, impact on your bottom line. So that's important to understand. In terms of the data and the data that you look at historically, you may find, let's say, a PPC, your PPC uh, pages tend to receive uh, more, a lot more traffic than the home page. So that's another way uh, to determine which page you should focus on first. If these pages are received, that receive PPC traffic get a lot more of it than other pages, that is going to be your uh, primary focus or the first thing you want to look at. Now let's talk about different objectives. So you may have multiple offers on your site. We see this all the time, especially on home pages. It's difficult to get away from having multiple objectives, uh, especially if you have more than one product to offer. Um, do you address, you know, you have, might have different segments of uh, visitors. You may have your customers, your new customers, your returning customers. You may have your investors. You may have potential strategic partners. How do you send each one of them to a different, um, a different page? You, you may also need to decide, do you want to get more leads or you want to get the best leads? We cover this in a number of case studies on our site. We also talked about this in uh, some of our other clinics, the idea of quality versus quantity of leads. And, of course, prioritization of actual offers. What do you want to offer first, second, and third? So to over overcome this uh, obstacle, you want to, how, how do you do that? We use differently weighted graphics to prioritize them. So we want to draw the attention to the thing that is the most important. We talked about just uh, a minute ago about our Q1. What is the primary objective? If you determine that a certain offer is going to be the most valuable objective on this page, and in fact we would encourage you to do um, as comprehensive analysis as possible, even assigning a dollar value to achieving that objective. So you know if a person clicks on a certain button that translates to a certain revenue, maybe it's immediate, maybe it's further down in the future, and again, it depends, of course, on uh, how much data you have available to perform that kind of analysis, but ideally you would do it that way and actually quantify every action you ask the user to take on a page. Once you can quantify those actions, you can actually then decide on the priorities. If you know that a certain action gets you the most money in the end, that is the one you're going to emphasize, and you're going to use more heavily weighted graphics to draw the user's attention to that particular call to action. And actually, we're going to look at an example of sequencing pages in order to be able to achieve this. So in this case, um, we had two, two objectives, uh, or two possible objectives, to get more leads or to get better leads. And again, this is a whole separate area, but we'll just talk about it in terms of really test implementation. We, what we did is, is we sequenced the requests. So as opposed to having one call to action or, or one action that you require, require the user to take and get us the highest quality leads on the same page, we actually split those objectives into two different pages. So on page one, we know we want to get at least a lead. So we're going to get a low quality lead with simply the name and email address. Uh, obviously, as you probably know, for your sales team, that's not a lot of information, but it does allow you to remarket to that person. So we're getting somewhat of a lead here. On the second step, however, is where we're getting more expanded information, and that's where, we're, where we're going to get a high-quality lead. By sequencing these two pages, we were able to achieve these two objectives, quantity and quality, in order that they're valuable to us. Let's look at another example where we use differently weighted graphics in order to prioritize things on the page. So here we have new users arriving in this page. 
Uh, also, we have uh, returning users arriving on this page. How do we address both of these different audiences at the same time? This is a very typical problem. Well, what we did is we put items and calls to action that are geared for new users, more, made them more heavily weighted because we saw that those uh, account for the majority of the traffic. And at the same time, we still provided links for the returning users to click on except they're de-emphasized because we know these customer, these returning visitors already know what they're looking for. We don't need to provide them nearly as much guidance. So between the two, we gave more emphasis to calls to action directed to new users and less emphasis to those um, that are returning. This is really important to understand because we see all the time how different sites try to achieve 10 different objectives on our homepage, and unfortunately, it's just impossible. You cannot emphasize 10 different things. You can only emphasize one or maybe two, and that's where it becomes critical to determine what the most important objectives are. And as I mentioned, if you can quantify them in terms of dollars and cents, that would be ideal. Now, let's talk about page design differences. So these are uh, questions that people ask, and they're more straightforward and really uh, go back to the conversion sequence. Again, we're not going to cover optimization science in, the, in this um, in this clinic, but uh, I just wanted to list it for, complete, uh, for, for completeness here. So, which colors do we use? Do we use Splash or HTML? Uh, which testimonials, uh, sorry, which uh, images and testimonials are more important to use? So, in order to solve this, uh, <laughs> this is probably the question in optimization, right, or in web design. What do we use? And our answer to that is very, actually, simple and uh, perhaps not as, as uh, straightforward as you might hope it would be. Unfortunately, there's still testing that has to be done. So what's important, what's critically important, is you agree on those priorities. What is the number one objective? What is the objective of your page? And then to decide what color button do you use, do you use Flasher or HTML and so on, you just have to test. There are no rules here uh, that I can give you uh, that will be just applicable in every possible situation. Also, we just talked about different channels. You might find that for one channel, Flash works great. For a different channel, it's HTML. For one channel, you know, one product image really helps your conversion rate, and it doesn't for, for a different channel. So it is critical to test. Um, if you can, actually ask your customers, and they may be able to help you as well. But it's key that... You decide on the priorities. You decide what's the most important that you want the customer to do and let, let, then let your customers, either through testing or through other means, tell you which one they would prefer the best. Now let's talk about uh, limited IT resources. We got a number of questions uh, from our audience before this clinic about how do we work with our IT. I know it's probably a sore subject I'm assuming most people on this clinic are marketers, so I guess we can offend IT a little bit, um, <laughs> but we won't. Uh, but it's a typical marketing versus IT um, uh, battle that has to be has to be fought. But at the same time, you're on the same team, so how do you how do you do, do that? So let's let's look at different ways we can op overcome this obstacle. First of all. Uh, and this goes to also the obstacle of having a short amount of time. If you have a complicated CMS, you can still test inside that CMS without breaking your pages, without breaking the process. So you can use other tools that only insert snippets of JavaScript, uh, which, most, uh, which is what most testing software does, 
uh, whether it's Google Website Optimizer or it's Omnitrue Test and Target and so on, uh, you insert those snippets of code into parts of CMS that allow you to actually insert HTML and you test those. Uh, if you look back at topics we covered earlier, by deciding the parity of testing, uh, you may identify items that do not require you to break uh, your CMS templates. For example, if it's just a headline test, it's very easy to insert a different headline using, uh, again, let's say Google Website Optimizer code into your CMS uh, field, <clears throat> and then you'll be able to test just the headline without having to call your IT people in order to help you run the test. As opposed to, for example, if you wanted to change the layout, that's a more complicated test, but in order to run that test, you probably want to show that you expect a significant amount of ROI. And again, I invite you to look at case studies on our site to look at what has worked in the past in terms of which test you should run first. Another, uh, another way to overcome the obstacle of IT, limited IT resources is to just breaking up your tests. And there's two, uh, two benefits from that. One, you're not consuming a lot of resources all at once. So you're, in, as opposed to requiring a substantial amount of time while your IT team is busy completely revamping your uh, CRM and they only have time in 2015 to, to talk to you about this gigantic test that you would love to run, uh, you might be able to run just sim single factorial tests, which we very strongly advocate if you have ample time especially. You can run this single factorial test. Some of them might be a part of the CMS without breaking any pages. Uh, or some of them might be just simple changes to your templates that will allow you to step through different, uh, different tests and get incremental results. Again, if you look at our case studies, a lot of them, a lot of the great results we've achieved, you know, hundreds and sometimes over a thousand percent improvements in conversion rate were not done just overnight. They were a, 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 the result of a number of incremental tests, one on top of the other. Another benefit of breaking up tests into simpler ones is that you can actually have proof of concept. You can show that your test has run uh, its course, you got an improvement, and it's uh, just from the political point of view, it's easier to acquire resources to run the next test. And again, you look at your headline is probably the most important thing you can test with the, uh, the quickest and with the least amount of resources, and something like breaking your entire shopping cart process is probably the most cumbersome test to run that you can do once you have shown some results. Another way to overcome these obstacles is to, again, focus on areas that you can control. So, for example, if, again, in the case of having a CMS that's uh, difficult to deal with or difficult to break into, so to speak, uh, you, may have, you may be able to set up separate landing pages that are outside of the CMS, outside of the website, where you don't require uh, your IT team to really provide a separate environment, to provide a whole separate, amount, uh, separate resources just dedicated to that test, you can actually run your own little test on the site and, let's say, drive PPC traffic to it. Um, you may be able to, and that's something that we recommend as far as value proposition testing. Uh, you might remember uh, we touched on the clarity of the value proposition as being the second most important thing to do on your site. And those who are not familiar with the conversion heuristic, again, I invite you to take a look at marketingexperience.com for case studies. But you can run your uh, value proposition test just on PPC, using PPC ads. So you're not actually creating any pages at all. All you're doing is creating text ads that you're going to put, let's say, into um, Google search. 
and determine, based on click-through, which aspect of your value proposition gets the most uh, interest from your customers. And lastly, uh, it's doing your research ahead of time. It really sounds very simple, but you want to come to your IT team or to your uh, C-level people with some uh, numbers that back up your uh, recommendation for testing. We talked about earlier quantifying different things you can do on the page. So if you can show that certain change in conversion rate is going to provide X amount of dollars as a result, that it, it makes it so much easier for you to present your case for running a test. Uh, if you can show ahead of time that installation of, let's say, the test environment that might be fairly expensive is well, well outweighed by the potential results of the test, it's going to be so much easier for you to run that test. And as I, as I said earlier, you can run initially a test that's simple, straightforward, only it's a single factorial test that um, gets you tangible results. You can use that as your ammo in order to get to a bigger test. So that was all for the four obstacles. We wanted to really give some time to our audience uh, questions for this one. So let's take a look at some of the questions we've collected before we started the clinic. First question from Dan. Don, I'm sorry. Uh, how long should we split test a variable or collect data points in order to make a valid decision? Now, this is um, a question we definitely cover in the uh, fundamentals of online testing course that we offer. Um, and there's a complicated statistical answer to it. I'll, unfortunately, I can't simplify it to just a couple of sentences, but what's important to understand in collecting data uh, to arrive at a valid decision is, let's say if your KPI is your conversion rate, uh, we would use um, a chi-square formula in order to arrive, or in order to determine um, a conclusion. The variables that would be fed into that formula are the number of samples you're going to collect, the amount of variance you're going to see, and the statistical significance or the confidence level you want to achieve. Typically, the confidence level we want to achieve before making a business decision is 95%. So that's, pre uh, uh, that's pretty straightforward. The amount of samples you need to uh, collect um, and the variance you plan to achieve are two things that are relatively more fluid. One, the variance you don't know in advance. So that is something that you're going to project initially before you start the test and then plug into the formula as the test is running. The number of samples you need to collect is going to change again depending on how close you are to validation. So, for example, if you're running a test and you see a certain variance, variance being the difference between uh, the control and the best-performing treatment, you would feed that into the formula, and based on that, it will tell you how much more time you need to close the test. The larger the variance, the fewer samples you need to collect in order to arrive to a statistically uh, significant conclusion. I believe you would be getting a copy of a test, our test protocol as part of the Fundamentals of Online Testing course, uh, but I do not believe it's otherwise published as it's a, a proprietary worksheet, but I do invite you to research the chi-square test uh, using statistics resources that are available elsewhere. Let's look at another question here from Sharon. How many tests can you have going at the same time without skewing your results? And I can take that question. Um, this is a very interesting question because we always 
especially since we are testing all the time, uh, we need to make sure that we are not impacting other tests. You definitely can run multiple tests at the same time, but of course with the constraint that they have, they cannot impact each other or that you are not sequencing them. Like for example, they come from another uh, test to land in another test. You have to be able, if you do that and you have a good analytic package, you may be able, but normally, I mean, you want to have independent tests. But say, for example, I mean, you are testing registrations and testing um, uh, product page or different layouts for product page. If they don't um, end on the same path or they don't impact the visitors the same way, you can run the test independently and you can run them at the same time. So really the answer is, I mean, really unlimited tests as long as they don't interfere each other or visitors can mix their path between the tests that are running. Let's uh, take a look at the next question. So this question came from Lyle. What tools or packages are available for managing testing pages in production? There are uh, really, I mean, several uh, tools and packages. I mean, there are a wide range from free packages to paid uh, packages, but um, things that you can take a look at. Of course, there's uh, a Google Website Optimizer or there is Test on Target from OnNuture, and these are wide range of tools that you can take a look to evaluate. And I think what we'll do is we'll put a, uh, a list together on our blog following the clinic when we put put up our um, clinic wrap-up and we'll have an annotated list for, for everyone to to go through. Take a look at another question here. What are the benefits of multivariate testing versus A-B testing in marketing? That seems to be the question uh, on a lot of people's minds. Uh, thank you, Samantha, for submitting it. And it's really uh, a fairly complex question as it really affects all um, a number of the obstacles we talked about just earlier. Your time crunch, uh, your IT resources, your availability of analytics, and so on. So some of the things you need to consider with multivariate testing are just the requirements that you have to have or the, uh, the prerequisites to run a successful multivariate test. Multivariate testing is just such a buzzword now, but it seems like a lot of People know that they need to do multivariate testing, but they don't know why or how. Multivariate testing, first of all, requires a very substantial amount of traffic to get to a statistically significant result because, as you can imagine, once you create multiple variables, the number of combinations or the number of treatments starts growing exponentially. Um, good tools like, uh, again, Omniture Test and Target or Google Analytics and so on will give you live results so you can kind of see which combinations are starting to get good, um, better conversion rates, but it still becomes then a matter of conjecture which one of them you should keep in the test and which one you should take out. You still have to make either uh, fairly um, complicated statistical projections or keep all the combinations in the test. As we just talked about earlier uh, in terms of, uh, in, in response to question one, the duration of the test depends heavily on the number of samples you have to collect. The number of samples you have to collect uh, it has to be collected for each single treatment. So that means the more treatments you have, the more different combinations in case of a multivariate test, 
the longer your test is going to run. When you run an A-B split test, let's say a single factorial A-B split test, where you have the control and the treatment, your traffic is just split in two ways. So if you get 100,000 visitors a month, now you have 50,000 going to the control, you have 50,000 going to the treatment. If you run a multivariate test, we have three headlines and three versions of the body copy and three versions of the call to action. Now you're going to get to, well, I'm not going to do the math on the phone, not to embarrass myself just in case, but you get a large number of combinations uh, at the end and your traffic is going to be split up that many more ways, which means you're going to have to spend that much more time to get to a statistically valid result. Let me see. I believe we have some other questions um, coming up as well. Mm. Yes, I mean, we've got uh, one question from Evelyn. Um, and the question pertains to testing two different pages with two different channels. So two pages to test with your new customers and two pages to test with your returning visitors. Will we recommend to do that? And certainly, I mean, we will recommend that, especially because your returning visitors have or already are so motivated uh, in, in going through your website and can even overcome highest level or higher level of friction, you definitely have, um, it's better to take a different approach to them. And the more you learn about them, you can really take them faster where they want to go. So, for example, you could have different versions of your homepage, one for the returning visitor and one for uh, your new visitor. So, usually, I mean, through cookies, you can identify that, a that you got a returning visitor and probably just show the latest purchases or related items to what they purchase or what you know works better with the returning visitor, maybe taking them directly to a recommendation page, slightly different from the home page, but definitely they have different motivations. We saw on the first case, um, sorry, on the second case, the visitors that came from the shopping cart, they already were converting very high, so it was a little bit difficult to get any gain from them. But, for example, when you talk about new visitors, you have much more room to gain from them. So I would recommend to test different pages for returning and uh, uh, sorry, and new visitors. Thank you, Gabby. And let me come back to the multivariate testing question. I was a little too eager to jump to the next one. Uh, there's an important point that I, I did miss. We talked earlier about radical redesign tests as an excellent way to test into totally different uh, variation of a page to determine what works. Now, we gave it that as an example of a test you run in a time crunch. If you do have uh, available time, as I said, multivariate tests, because of the number of combinations, will definitely take you longer than an A-B split test. But if you have plenty of time, you can actually run a multivariate test instead of a radical redesign, and of course, if you have plenty of traffic as well, in order to come uh, to a kind of an intermediate conclusion as to which elements on your page are going to be good to optimize further through single factorial testing. So, for example, through a multivariate test, you might find that your headline has a lot of influence. It seems to make a big difference in various combinations uh, through a multivariate test. If that is the case, then you can go to a split test 
and just test the headline against, uh, as a single factorial test against a number of other headlines to drill down to the best possible headline on your page. But you will be, through the multivariate test, you will get several combinations that are going to be your starting points for the more refined testing. On the other hand, an A-B split test is going to be a great way when you already know which uh, factor you want to focus on. Again, it could be a headline, it could be the number of form fields, for example, and you want to really drill down to understand it. The, the, the issue with multivariate testing is that it's fairly difficult to interpret, so we use it either, A, as the only test you ever run, which is really something that we do, uh, as the last test you run, in other words, you've already optimized this page, you've done, you've accomplished a number of incre incremental gains, and now you just want to really refine it to find the best combination of page elements. And you, you know you're not going to retest the test for a while, because the problem is that due to interaction of different variables in a test, and Gabby addressed that to some extent when talking about running multiple tests at the same time, because of the interaction uh, between variables, it is difficult to interpret the multivariate test. So even though we might uh, realize that a certain combination performs really well, we don't know if it's the headline, or it's the body copy, or it's the image that we swapped out that uh, caused this result. Do we have any other questions here? Let's see. Um, um, we just uh, got a question uh, related to uh, running a test. For example, the, the person that submitted the question uh, is running the test for over a month and hasn't seen a significant or statistical significance. In this case, should we keep running the test or stop? I would actually I would suggest stopping the test because if in a month you haven't seen, uh, of course, it depends how much traffic you have received to the test. But if you haven't seen um, a difference, and especially you don't have a statistical significance, you don't want to keep that test running too long because from month to month, traffic changes, uh, seasonal effects impact the, the test. And the best way is to probably test, uh, stop the test and reassess uh, the page. Try to make radical changes, try to make um, different type of approach, or test different type of approaches, and, and launch a new, a new test. Uh, let me take a couple of other questions from the audience here. Uh, I know probably some of you are asking what are these, uh, you know, motivation, clarity of value proposition, incentive friction, anxiety elements in the conversion heuristic. Again, those of you who are familiar with our clinics, uh, have seen these before, and unfortunately we don't have a lot of time on this one. We really wanted to focus on test implementation uh, on this clinic, but we invite you to go to marketingexperiments.com to learn more about the conversion heuristics and other uh, tools that we have for you to think about web pages. Let me get answer a couple other questions about test implementation. Someone asked, um, how do you test for customer loyalty to a website? That's a, that's a really great question, um, and uh, here's where you get, have to get really creative with your data analytics. Uh, how do you, first of all, as we said before, um, one of the obstacles is prioritization, right? So first of all, you have to identify your objective. And in this case, you, the objective seems to be to increase customer loyalty, but you have to drill down a little bit more to understand what customer loyalty means. How can you measure it? So this is really a question of a, determining the KPI. Without knowing what your site is, it's, it's difficult for me to give you a definitive answer. 
uh, which kind of saves me from, from giving you the wrong one. But uh, at the same time, what you want to consider is things like, does customer loyalty mean people come back to the site? I would say that is the most likely answer. So your customer loyalty KPI is going to be uh, number of visits per month from the same visitors. So um, if you do the math, it's uh, total visits uh, divided by unique visits per month. Um, or the other way around. The other way. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's one of those. Uh, so if, we have, if, that, if that is, you determine that is your KPI, you can then run a test in order to determine how many, which treatment that you have is going to get uh, the larger uh, number of people coming back. Now, the way you keep people coming back to the site, so how to test for it, uh, is going to be by looking for ways to get the person coming back to the site. Actually, we were uh, working just with uh, one of our research partners where that became an important uh, performance indicator. So one of the ways you would get people back into the site is by sending them targeted email messages that remind them of reasons come to come back to you. So again, I don't know if your site is more of a retail uh, website or your site is more of a, um, let's say, online service. But you can send emails to your customers giving them key reasons. If it's a retail site, you may have sales promotions, obviously. If it's a service, you may have things that the person uh, might have forgotten to do. I don't know. Um, you may be able to increase customer loyalty by reminding them that, that there's a certain action they need to perform on your site, there's a certain form they need to complete. It's important, by the way, if you do that, to remember, and again, we teach a whole separate course on email optimization, but remember, but that the goal of an email is to just get a click to your website. So do not try to uh, provide all the information in your email to, to get the person to take the action just by reading the, uh, or without going back to your site. The goal of your email in that case should be for them to come back. And in terms of testing, that becomes very convenient because now you can measure that loyalty as expressed through return visits. I think we have time for one more question. Um, another question that came our way was, uh, can you test different channels with Google Analytics? Um, if probably you are using Google Analytics, you may be familiar with Google Website Optimizer. And these two tools combined, yes, allows you to test uh, with different channels. So basically what you want to do is work with both of them together and Pick your channel, for example, say pay-per-click, and define your uh, what are the landing pages and, and run the test. Google Optimizer will track the, the conversion and also the statistical significance for you. But also you can see if you have unique URLs or have a way to mark your page with Google Analytics. You also will see how that page is working for um, in combination with, with the website or also, I mean, what type of visitors you are receiving or um, other success metrics that you want to monitor, not only, say, for example, sorry, conversion rate, but you want to see the click-through rate or where people are navigating after that page. Um, so Google Analytics can help you with that. In the same way, you can set up tests for your other channels, uh, banner, advertising, and any other channel. I think that's all the questions we have time for. I wanted to uh, ask our audience uh, to definitely send, please send us feedback about how we're doing. There should be a survey after you exit the GoToWebinar presentation. 
Uh, we'd like to find out what you thought about this clinic, about this type of material. I know it's a little bit of, of a deviation from our typical format, talking about optimization science. Those of you who are not familiar with our, method, with our methodology, I uh, again definitely invite you to take a look at marketingexperiments.com and come to our future clinics. Importantly, I also wanted to ask if uh, you, uh, you do want us to present more in-depth or more, uh, I guess, advanced clinics on topics such as the ones we presented today, perhaps on topics like how to use a particular uh, web analytics package to do the things we just talked about. Um, if you'd like us to do clinics like that in the future, please let us know in that form. Also, I invite you to our live optimization workshops. We have one in New York on December 10th. Uh, this is one of the courses that I mentioned that we teach. You can uh, get to it by going to marketingexperience.com slash training. If you are interested in becoming a research partner, we also have a URL for that. You have it on your screen. It's uh, marketingexperience.com slash partners. Uh, you can find out about becoming one of our research partners uh, in the future. And on that, I want to thank Gabby Diaz. I want to thank also Austin McCraw, uh, who's working behind the scenes on this web clinic. And thank you very much. Have a good afternoon.